Welcome to NDA, Shia, the show where I talk to uh, people and dogs, I guess, about uh, being a creator and things. Uh, Shia, I see you brought a guest with you. We'll put that in a post. See who we get to ADR. Hi, Brian. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm glad we're finally getting you on the show. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, not that the show's been around that long, but you uh, are officially client number one. Officially, so it's weird that you're this far back in rotation. I think that's mostly a geographic thing um, versus anything else. Like the times that you've been up here, just didn't make sense scheduling wise. It's usually a very quick visit when I'm in New York. It's yeah, like in and out. It's for yeah. like a premiere, and I'm gone again. Yeah, like last time you were here, it was for the. Um, I think we can talk about it because this will be out after. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. Uh, the the streaming video, the uh, how to streaming video, streaming mm-hmm. video. You were here recording for that, and this time for the jet lag premiere. So chronologically, if you're watching and or listening, uh, we're, what, two two days after the jet lag season eight premiere. So if you watch the Michelle Correa episode, literally we filmed that yesterday. So that's where we are in time. That's why Brian's here. And for the holiday party. Mm-hmm. I, I mostly came for the holiday party. Yeah. <laughs> We were just talking before the show because I, I never come in prepared. I never come in with like an agenda of what to talk about. I'll have like one thing I want to say as like a starting point. I'll have a seed, mm-hmm. and then the conversation just grows out of that. So the rules for the show are try and try to avoid situations where we're just sitting around agreeing with each other because that's boring. And we've other never do that we've show. never had that problem. Yeah, we won't have that issue at all. I, I don't worry about that. I think we probably <laughs> argue more than anyone. Yeah, probably. <laughs> we've gotten really good at it. Uh, but the the uh, other rules: one, this is not an interview show. I'm not here to ask you. Que- I mean, I'll ask you ask you questions conversationally, um, but it's not like my my favorite comments I get on this show are people saying that they wish that I would talk less, and it's like I don't think I you understand how a conversation. <laughs> I don't think you understand how a conversation works. The whole point is that we both talk. Other than that, like you know, whatever. And but normally it's about creator comedy stuff, and I, I I think that the the seed for this one, where I'd like to start is how long you and I have been working together. There's a lot of history here, a mm-hmm. lot of many years of bickering over nothing. Uh, <laughs> you, you, as I said, client number one, um, technically, because you got the contract back to me before Sam did. And Sam I needs to get it. an assistant. This has been a theme for a very long time <laughs> that I'm faster with these things. It took him so long to pay me for jet lag. So long. You got paid for that? Second season. Oh. I didn't I didn't bill him for the first season. Okay. But then he got successful. I was like, should have billed him. Yeah, seriously. Rolling around in that jet lag money now. You should have gotten that bag. Regrets. I got the telescope at least. And this is uh this is Shia. Shia LaWoof. Shia LaWoof. No relation. <laughs> to you? <laughs> to LaBoof. Okay. Well why that's a different name. Why would it, okay. <laughs> no, it didn't make right, sense? Right. <laughs> Uh, how long have we known each other? I'm like since 2017. I think maybe technically 2016 is maybe. when we got connected. I don't think we met until 2017. No, no, it, no. That's I met, not right. The, I met you the day Trump got elected. I was going to say it was 2016. You were in New York. Trump got elected. Was that 2016? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 2016 election. Okay. It was inaugurated 2017. I remember because it was my first time in New York, and I got to walk all the way up Manhattan. With the the anti-Trump march, shouting "Not my president!" I thought it was hilarious because he literally wasn't my president. But it's a good way to see New York. It's a good sightseeing tour. 
Well, now you live here in the U.S. Um, well, I guess he's still not your president. He might be. Hopefully not. <laughs> he might get him back. Hopefully not. Yay. Uh, although uh, you on jet lag famously were screaming a bunch of uh, conservative things and confused people. I'll do it again. Yeah. If you could go back and do that again, <laughs> would you do it again? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Do, you, do you have any concerns that people were taking you seriously? No. I mean, sarcasm is an important thing to defend. <laughs> sure, sure. But would you have maybe like made it clearer that you were joking? I think the only reason it wasn't clear that I was joking was because it was literally the first time I was on camera for anything. I think right. there as, wasn't enough history there. Yeah, yeah, it's like one of those things of as people get to know me, they'll just realize that I am sarcastic a lot, and I like to make fun of things. And the idea of blaming the libs for literally everything is just hilarious to me. <laughs> I think also in the context of like, you read as grumpy sometimes. <laughs> I don't read, I am grumpy. <laughs> I'm trying to be, uh, you know. <laughs> you spend a lot of your time mad about stuff. Uh, Especially when I haven't slept and Sam has been mean to me. and <laughs> I'm very easy triggered. Yeah. Hairpin trigger. Yeah, I'm. I'm waiting for you to blow up at me at some Stop point. Don't be mean to me. I'm very show. sensitive. Very sensitive. We were just we were talking before the show about uh, the the Santa Monica incident. Mm-hmm. You remember this very differently. Which parts? Because I don't know if I should mention all the parts I mentioned outside. I don't remember the thing with the kid. Yeah. At all. We should explain what the hell we're talking about. S- Could I tell? As you remember it, please. Yeah, I'll I'll leave out some details. Uh, (laughs) We were, it was like we'd taken a break from VidCon. It was our first VidCon. That was when like you signed the like papers of standard becoming a thing. I think it was the last day. It was before we left. We Mm -hmm. decided to spend a day up at. So we went down to Santa Monica Pier to celebrate or something. And we were playing that. I think it was like we were throwing balls at the tower thing or something like that. And I was getting very competitive as usual. And I won first and got the the poop emoji hat, which I dubbed the shit wizard hat. I still have mine. And so do I. We all have ours. I should have brought mine. It's like the original standard members, like rings. It's the shit wizard <laughs> hat. All shit wizards. Um, and then some kid came in. Like you insisted on paying for multiple games in a row until we all had a hat. I really wanted everybody to be like in this experience together. Yeah, which it was like, important to me. It was like a, like a, I don't know, a tribal thing. Which was the right call at the time because it's a great memory. But then that kid came in and we were kind of letting him win, so we weren't like dominating this kid's game. I'm vaguely remembering this. Yeah, and then the mo- it would have been rude. It been, that yeah. would have been like that's that's cruel. Let yeah. the kid win. Yeah. But then the mother was like kind of letting it go on a bit too long. I was like, okay, we were actually trying to do a thing here. But we didn't get mad. We just kept doing it, and then it was fine. It wasn't a thing. But that kid ended up following us around for a little while. This is the bit you don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember this part at all. Yeah, this is weird. But then we ended up walking off the pier all wearing the hats. And I started to feel a little bit foolish after a while of wearing this hat. And I took it off. And you said something, in my memory, it was very aggressive. You said something along the way of, put it back on or you're going to regret it. <laughs> and in my head, this was like, I don't know this man very well. He's threatening <laughs> me. He's like, what the? What are you going to do about it? What, what are you going to do if I take it off? Because that's just like, uh, I've, I've calmed down a lot since those days. Of I, I love being in a headspace 
where you would assume that a grown man would threaten you if you don't keep a shit hat on. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, that's hilarious. No, what I meant was, uh, like, we're all in this together. If you're not part of the thing, you're going to later on wish that you had yeah, been more yeah, a part yeah. of the thing. The same reason that I wanted everybody to get the hats together to begin with. It was, it was, a, it was a weird little shared memory thing. Yeah, you Stupid were right. hats. I beca- I've become more emotionally aware since then. I like I'm still quite defensive about certain things, and I've I'm gradually learning that my first thought should not be my first words to just like calm down because I think I don't like some of this I can I can work on and improve, and some of the things I think it's just my temperament, and I don't know how I can fix that other than just pause, breathe. Don't say the first thing that comes to your head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Patch had said to me a, a couple months ago, uh, we were working on a thing, and he said, yeah, I've never looked back and thought, I wish I had taken things more personally. Mm-hmm. And that's that stuck with me, because I, I have a tendency to do the same thing. Where I'm very, I have a very um, finely uh, over-calibrated detector for disrespect. Yeah, same. I think, I think it, that's just like a part of being bullied growing up. <laughs> Maybe. For me at least. And there could be like an element of insecurity there, if I'm that being too, honest. Uh, but like there's certainly moments where things that have nothing at all to do with me are not meant disrespectfully at all, I will internalize and be angry about for days. Mm-hmm. And I won't share it because I've learned that sharing it makes it so much worse. But I'll just like sit on a grudge or, or whatever for, for some period of time. Then it, it, someone I'll just kind of be like, that doesn't matter. That wasn't about me. Or... or, or I'll have a, a light conversation with the person. It'll become clear to me in that conversation that that thing wasn't meant that way. 100% of the time, I was like, I, I, need to, mm-hmm. I need to knock that off. I think we, we are like the perfect triggers for each other. That oh, we God, both, yes. We both have this issue of getting emotional when the right move would just to be step, to step back and come back. And we're good at stepping back in after calming down. And We've gotten really good at that. Yeah. We've gotten really good at... I remember uh, we were on a trip together earlier this year. We were on a boat. We went on a cruise. And the whole flight back, you and I were texting. I was on the oh, plane. Yeah. I don't know if you were on a plane. Mm-hmm. I was on a plane. Uh, we were texting about like a moment that was like nothing, but somebody got grumpy. I barely remember what it was. And just like sort of talking each other off a ledge of like, actually, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. We're friends, right? Like mm-hmm. we're family. Everything's cool. Nobody meant the thing that you think they meant. Nobody meant the thing that I think, you know, whatever. I think the, there's an emotional maturity that uh, I aspire to. And in our best moments, we can be dragged to that place. In our worst moments, um, we're kind of a perfect foil for each other to continue escalating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We've gotten better at it. But I think that's just like the nature of, what we've built here as well of like the last because it was like Joseph, Sam and I were the first clients and we're still kind of close friends. Yeah. And you like Joseph came in through standards. Well, I'd known did I know so no, I didn't know Sam. I remember meeting him for the first time through you in Amsterdam. Yeah. The first time I met Joseph is uh the first time all of us were together was Amsterdam 2017, VidCon Amsterdam 2017. Uh that's where I met Joe. And then a handful of the other folks, like uh, Simon Clark met there, and Ace from Draw Curiosity we met there. I, d- I did the, the collaboration with Sam without your involvement. I hadn't known you yet. Yeah, but you guys had That was my first time life, meeting him in yeah. person. Yeah, yeah. He was also like 12 at the time, so. He was very young. He was. He's grown you... up a lot. He's there, he's there. He's your little boy. So yeah, let's, proud. Let's make this whole show about how much our little boy has grown up. Yeah, no. 
He's never going to listen. I did this on the Carrot podcast where I just talked about Sam how much so much and how much how proud I was of him, and they never released it, and I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I need to do better about this creator influencer thing about hyping myself up. So let's talk about the things I'm really good at. Yeah, let's talk about you for a minute. <laughs> Our trajectory together is kind of the theme that's in my head right now, mm-hmm. and uh, there are people, namely you and Sam where I feel like our careers are inextricably linked. Yes. Like there is no version of your story that doesn't have me and Sam in it. There's no version of my story that doesn't have you and Sam in it. Mm-hmm. Like the three of us especially are very intertwined. And uh, there's a million reasons why that's complicated and can be challenging. And there's a million reasons why I, I wouldn't change any of it. I'm very grateful for it. What is, from your perspective... Your your path here, how does that feel? How do you think about your career? Within Nebula and Standard or in, in general? In, in general, not like in a um, uh, with, an epic In the sort context of, of all of us together? Uh, I would say like when we met, you had just started doing this like for realsies, taking it seriously. This is, this is a job. Mm-hmm. You had taken the leap. Um, and to go from that leap of faith to now, multiple channels, you've got a whole business, all of the things that have happened, like how do you feel about that? When you look back, I know, I'm sort of doing this for the audience, mm-hmm. but I know you well enough to know that you tend to spend a lot of your time anxious about the future versus like whatever about the past. Yeah. But looking yeah. back. I mean, I'm very proud of what we've built. I think coming from where I started with the channel, just teaching myself how to animate like over a weekend and building a YouTube channel off it and managing to like actually build a successful career off like having no actual skills as a filmmaker <laughs> to the point of like we're build like we're doing these documentaries that I think is better than anything that's on like Discovery Channel or anything anymore. I'm largely doing what child me dreamed of doing. But you're right at the same time of like I am constantly anxious about uh-huh. the future. But that's like I graduated into a recession. My entire family emigrated. Like a lot of my family lost everything in the 2007 recession. And that's always, always at the top of my mind that this can fall away at any minute. And I have to be prepared for that. And I need to adapt to it. And I need to put up contingencies. I spend so little money. I save everything. I barely even invest things. It's like, it's a very fear-driven process, and I need to be better about it. I think this is something you and I have in common. We don't come from huge, uh, wealthy families. We mm-hmm. don't come from like uh, strong support, financial support system backgrounds. And maybe it's a cultural thing. Maybe it's like an Irish thing versus an American thing. But my approach to this is like, I have money now. Better enjoy it. <laughs> it's yeah. all gonna go away. I better live it up today because like anything can happen. I was born poor, I could die poor. Yeah. Net net neutral. But like, you know, the 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 memories you make along the way. Whereas you tend to be more like, I must hoard all the cash. I think I don't know if it's just because the, the Irish recession was so much we went from this poor country with absolutely nothing to being one of the richest economies in the world. And we just went crazy with the money. 
we built all the stuff. I remember people flying into the like racing the horse racing things and helicopters and stuff. We called it the Celtic Tiger for Christ's sake. And then just in one year, it all went away. How old were you then? Eighteen. Like it was very for it was like, oh, this is what happens when you're irresponsible with money and don't invest it and don't prepare for the future. This this is temporary, be careful. And like even my own family, like uncles and things like Nama, the the thing that took over Ireland and took all the properties from people, like and sold it to like Black Blackstone. Is that the big venture capital thing? Sure. Oh, whatever. Yeah. And like they lost so much they got paid basically nothing for their properties and sold to American Capital. I don't know. It's just it's just a fear thing that I need to work on. I lucked out on that one. 20, uh, 2007, 2008, I, I was in the tech industry and I had a fairly stable job. Mm-hmm. So when like the housing market crashed, I bought my first apartment like right at the low point. Like I came out on the, the better side of that. I wound up selling it later for not a lot of money and I wish I'd held on to it because it would have been worth a fortune now because Denver blew up. Um, but I didn't get hit too hard in all of that. So my... I guess my sensitivity to that, like coming from being really poor as a kid, uh, as an adult, having any kind of success at all, uh, somewhat stably, mm-hmm. I still have this instinct of like, any minute now, any minute now, they're going to figure me out. They're going to come take it all away because I shouldn't have any of this. The the rich people should have all this stuff. The rich people should have this access, these opportunities, this privilege, not me. I was never slated for this. Uh, but I don't, I guess I don't internalize it the same way. Yeah. You're very American. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your face lit up, so I'm going to assume that's not an insult. <laughs> no, like I like I live here for a reason. I admire the confidence and ambition of Ireland of of, of America. There's a reason I left Ireland. The ambition is, is definitely true. Yeah, but you have that too. Like you, you were living in Malaysia. Yeah, and you're like, fuck it, I'm going to go be a YouTuber, and like that's not a that's that's not an unambitious thing to attempt. I get asked this in interviews quite frequently, and I always say the same thing. It wasn't brave. It was like desperation. It was very much like I, there was a recession in Malaysia too. And this is like, I keep on getting hit with fucking recessions. <laughs> um, there was a recession in Malaysia, and I went into my boss and asked for a raise to adjust to the US, USD, because we were selling in USD. And like, they weren't making less money, they were making more money. Because, like, like, yeah, it's an export thing. Um, and he refused. He was like, oh, I'd have to give everyone a race. It's like, yeah, you should do that. Mm-hmm. It's like, these people are sending their money back to the Philippines. It's like all the factory workers. It's like, you should give them a raise. They're all struggling to send money home to their families. And he refused. And then uh, a few months after that, one of my best friends died in a car crash. And then like a month after that, I dislocated my shoulder. And I was like, I was a train wreck. I was not doing well. And I was like, life is too short. Fuck this shit. And quit the job. It wasn't like a cold, calculated, I'm going to make this happen thing. It was an emotional decision. I am so desperately sad and don't see a future in this job. And I just see like miserable old rich white men <laughs> selling to the to oil and gas. I was like, eh, this isn't what I want with my life. Worst case scenario, I'm I go back to a job I hate. Which is where most people would start. Most people would say... I'm going to change from this thing to another version of this secure, mm-hmm. stable thing. Yeah. Not 
this is my, I'm unhappy. This is my moment to just wildly swing in the direction of, the, the, the term creator economy wasn't even a thing then. The idea no. that you could make money on YouTube was still like bizarre. It's still bizarre today in many circles. Yeah. I mean, like I believed I could do it, but my, my only goal was to like make like four or $500 a month and live in Bali where it costs like basically nothing to, to survive. Like you can get really nice hotels there for like $10. I don't know if that's true now, but back then you could get like a villa for yourself for like $10 a night. Like, the goal was four or 500 a month? Yeah, something like that. Like, Did just you ever to, get there? I got there within like two months. <laughs> so you're, you're past that now? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Uh, thankfully, we make more than that now. <laughs> so, the the distance between there and here that that's huge. Yeah. Do you do you celebrate this in any way? I should. I don't celebrate. I'm asking you a question. Often. I know the answer. Yeah. Do that thing. Now I am interviewing you. Yeah. Uh, like I wish you would. You like of anyone I know, I really wish that you would uh, enjoy your success more than you do. You um, mourn it. Yeah. No, no, I'm trying to. Like this year, especially, and like the same thing, like feeling like I don't deserve this and it's going to go away at any moment. I kind of feel like I'm not actually that good at this. And I, I avoid things because of that. Whereas even like the jet lag premiere, all the people there were so nice. But for the, and we had another argument right before that. I remember. <laughs> you said something, I got defensive. And I just said to you, I came in here for to quiet and like calm myself down. And you came in, I was like, I am very anxious about going to the the premiere. There's going to be a lot of people there, and I'm just afraid of like giving someone a bad experience, and I'm unfriendly to someone. It's a good instinct. It's a good thing to care about. Yeah, because it's not something I'm naturally good at. But then I get in there, and I'm like, oh, I'm actually really good at this. Yeah. I don't know why I constantly tell myself I'm bad at things because I'm not. Uh, what drives me nuts is that you tell other people you're bad at things. Yeah, I need to be better than that. Like people will believe that you are whatever you say you are. If they if if people are going to say that you're a jerk, let them decide that. Don't yeah. go in and announce it. <laughs> like, let them think you're a great guy, <laughs> and you can go home and feel like a jerk. Which um, usually, by, I spend I think probably just as much time as you do, like second guessing myself or beating myself up over any given moment. I just my rule is I try not to tell people about it. You, yeah, me and you are very different in like very key ways. You told me something recently about like. It was like a survival mechanism or something. I forget what like the the acting. I I told you we were really good. Like you are an annoyingly good actor in Patrick Willems. Thank you. Do you have any? You don't have any acting experience other than no. You're just fucking really good at it. You're just I, naturally good at it. And I, I asked always you thought about I would it. enjoy it. But, yeah. yeah. But I think you said something about it being like a survival mechanism of like learning to like act a certain way. Around yeah. people to to survive and to like succeed in certain rooms. Yeah. So uh, as as a kid, uh, single mother, only child, we moved around a bunch. Very poor, lived out of the car, uh, all of that shit. Um, as an adult, like I, I went into adulthood. I dropped out of high school when I was sixteen, and I worked a series of temp jobs before I got like my first tech support job. And I was so socially anxious. That's why I dropped out. Mm-hmm. I couldn't handle being around people. Um, into my early 20s, I was just so socially anxious I couldn't leave my apartment during the day because I was afraid people would see me. Why? Well, I, um, I was there. I sat down one day. I realized that there was there were so many things I wanted in life that I would never get. And I thought, well, 
what would I have to change to get those things? I sat down with the yellow legal pad and I made a list of things about myself that I would need to change. And between then and now, any of the things that I've done, it's because I've, I sort of forced myself to be a version of myself. There's a performance element too. It's not, it's not insincere, it's not fake. But like I either do that or I go back to being the guy who can't leave the apartment during the day. Mm-hmm. I have to do that. It, that is a survival skill. That's the bit I'm trying to figure out this year of, I'm always afraid to be on camera because I feel like there's a certain level of inauthenticity that's required to succeed on YouTube of like, hey, what's up, guy? And you have to be this really loud brat because that's just not me and I can't turn that on and I'm never going to be able to turn it on. And I, But that's the story I tell myself too of that I, I can't, but I'm also butting into cultural things there too because like, I know my friends back home will rip the living shit out of me if I ever become that person. And I'm always thinking of like, what will the lads back home think <laughs> if they see this? And like, it's just like in Irish culture, kind of looking for attention is very faux pas. It's like, yeah, I have notions. Who do you think you are? Are the lads back home paying your bills? Nope. Yep. Nope. Yep. And the crazy thing to me about the, I don't know, the debate over whether or not you should be on camera more. When you're like on and having a good time, you're one of the most fun people I've ever known. You light things up. You have this amazing energy. And I think that like jet lag fans attach to it and like it shows up on your Instagram and stuff like <clears> that. <throat> uh, but then if it's a, a scenario, if it's a scenario where you don't have to be serious and there's a camera on you, you're a blast. The moment you have to be serious on camera, I think that's when you get in your own way. Yeah, it's just... It's hard to, I see it when I'm editing documentaries and stuff of like, I'm always like, when I'm concentrating, especially my face just goes into, and it's very shooting like for a whole day and listening to like super, super smart people talk about really complicated things is so draining. Mm -hmm. It's because like I have such bad attention deficit issues and also an introvert. So like just having to like pay attention during an entire interview and like be able to ask intelligent questions while also feeling my social battery just going down and down and down and down. I'm getting better at it. It's just hard. I'm remembering a moment. We were in London, I think, for one of the Assassin's Creed games. You, me, and Sam. And we were... <laughs> oh, I remember that. Yeah, we... we I, I, I think I was a little bit right in being annoyed, but... You were... Well, I'll tell my version of it. Um, we were there and we were interviewing somebody from the British Museum or, or some Egyptologist or something. That's very embarrassing. Um, and you were, I think, too in your own head and you were very tired and you weren't asking any questions. I was also so fucking hungover. Because <laughs> you called me while I was so fucking... I was, at, I was at Oktoberfest in Munich when you called me and you're okay. like, you need to be in London tomorrow. And I was being drunk. I was like... Oh, I get to go into the London Museum. Sure, I had a panic attack that night from like being that hungover. Wow! And then like we were doing the interview with the Egyptologist, and like for some reason I had agreed to make the video about religion on the phone call when you called me when I was drunk. I shouldn't be admitting these things. <laughs> like I that was like like twelve hours into like a rager at Munich Fest. I was gone, and I like apparently had agreed to make it about religion. 
What could go wrong? Yeah, which is like, I'm an engineering channel. I don't want to talk about religion. So I'd been like put into this interview and I didn't really know what the hell was going on. And you kept interjecting because you were trying to steer it towards what we had agreed to do. You weren't asking any questions. You were like halfway checked out. So I'm just trying to keep the interview moving so we get what we need on camera. And then you got mad at me. You're like, can I ask some questions? I'm like, I wish you would. I was like, shut the fuck up. This is my show. Like, please, please, please take over. I don't want to do this. Uh, That was a a train wreck. That, it worked out. That's, it the was most, fine. that's the most. Yeah, but like I, I didn't make it about religion. I remember you got a little bit annoyed with me at the time. I was like, the video's good. Why, why do we? I care? don't remember that in the end. I don't remember if they cared or not. The only thing that kept us from doing more stuff with them over time was just that the guy running stuff over there left. Yeah, and then COVID happened, and yeah. industry kind of changed a little bit. Yeah, I miss doing those because like we got to drive around the Red Bull Ring ourselves in like a Porsche. I was like this. Is Class, we haven't done any, well. I got flying cool. F sixteen. That was pretty cool. But that was different. There's a a lot of crazy shit that we've gotten to do because companies are just like, "Will you come do this thing?" And we're just but like, like okay. not since COVID. Uh, has there been anything? Not not for me at least. Other than going and doing the documentaries, like I always think those I've like witnessed rocket engine tests and stuff, and that's cool. But like, but that's still like you're getting access. Mm-hmm. But I want to fly in like a jet again. I mean, if if uh, if jet people are watching, put this guy in a jet. I suppose. I'll promote your shit. I'm an engi- <laughs> I'll promote your jet. I'm, I'm the number one engineering. That's not even true. Dear Mister Boeing, <laughs> please put Brian on a plane. Boeing, follow me on Twitter. Yeah. Well, tweet a link to the show when it's out, and maybe they'll watch and be like, "Oh, we could get Brian on the." Just let him fly it and crash it. You wouldn't be the first YouTuber to crash a plane. I fixed the 737 Max. Shocked YouTuber face <laughs> for the people who are listening to this on the audio version. You, your trajectory, like the things that you've gotten to do, the access that you've gotten, going from grumpy, fuck everything, I'm quitting my job, I'm going to become a YouTuber. Too grumpy. Uh, <laughs> like all the things you've gotten to do, why are you still so mad? So much dope shit along the way. Why are you still so angry? Honestly, like I, there was a golden period just before COVID where I was really enjoying YouTube, and during that time, during COVID, I hired so many more people, and it's like one of those frog in a boiling pot mm, gradually yeah. getting hotter, and I didn't realize I was trading my freedom away, and I started YouTube. For freedom, not for money. I just needed to get away from a boss who, like, f- fake fired me when I dislocated my shoulder and didn't show up to work. I don't know if I told you that. Mm. Like, shoulders sore to this day. Yeah, and I was like, I don't want to live under this asshole. Like, I want to be able to do my own thing. And COVID was this huge boom for all of us. Nebula, like YouTube in general, like because everyone was stuck inside watching video. Yeah. So, the hiring then made a whole lot of sense. It's like let's like we have the money, let's let's reinvest. And then this year is the first year in my seven years of YouTube where it kind of feels like my trajectory has gone whoop and just like gone down again. Based on what? Views? Views, money. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Uh these things I you say thrown. this, like that's just a wave. Yeah. And yeah. this happens in waves. But that's like what you hope. But like I'm just responsible for people now, and now it's kind of become a job in the oh, last yeah, year. That. And part of me, like I mean, it's always been a job. 
and I need to be more positive about it. But it's just a very high stress, high, like constantly, is this video going to pay off? Is this, am I investing too much money into this one video? And it's just constant gambling that I know the right thing to do. And that's just like very, very confronting to your self-worth. Yeah. And that's the thing I'm always battling now. We've, uh, over the last year or so, we've had moments where um, because of changes in relationships or economic factors or whatever, mm-hmm. like the, the switch to handling marketing ourselves, mm-hmm. that, was a, that was a risk. There was a, there's an element of, of uh, I won't say gambling, but like there, there's, we're taking a chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were moments in that where you, you have to ask yourself, like, do I want to go after the thing that I know would be successful enough or do I take the risk for the much larger reward. Mm-hmm. And for, for me, the calculus was not about me personally. It was about taking the easy path would kind of be letting some people down. Taking the harder path, if it fails, it's less of a letdown to people than if, if you take the easy path. So it, in, in a way, it was easy to say, no, let's really go for this. Let's, let's take this over ourselves. Let's, let's, we can do it. We can, we can be fully independent. It's panned out, but I think that your experience, my experience, and something that I know you and I are both capable of is putting in the time and energy to figure out how do I do this impossible thing? Mm -hmm. Especially when you've got a team behind you, especially when you've got smart people by your side who who are helping you make the thing happen. You give up freedom, but what you gain is all of the expertise and thoughtfulness of the people who are there with you. Yeah, I don't regret for a single moment hiring any of the people we hired. Like, Steph with real science killing it. Mm. Like Mike, no we literally couldn't do what we're doing without what Mike does. Like Mike doesn't get enough credit for for the visual style of real engineering. Like I just write the scripts. He's the one that like manages a lot of the production. And he came on full time during COVID. And we've hired a ton more animators, and it's just like keeps on getting better. I don't regret any of that. It's just the responsibility. Yeah, it's still just a big responsibility to make sure those people are taken care of, and everyone has their in individual ambitions and desires, and like constantly juggling that and figuring out like, am I being an asshole in this moment? Which I frequently am. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of conversations about that because the two people you mentioned, Steph and Mike, yeah. uh, were both uh, are both signed to standard. Mm-hmm. They are both treated as creators in their own right, mm-hmm. and there's plenty of moments we've had where. Uh, you know, an opportunity has to be extended to them because we extend the mm-hmm. opportunities to everybody who uh, within our creators, and that can create odd dynamics. And mm-hmm. then you and I have to kind of figure out what that is. We always do. My policy now is just like do whatever. Like I, I don't want to. I don't want to be the boss that fires you for not <laughs> showing up with because you're dislocated <laughs> your shoulder. Like your job is with real science. What you do outside of that is your own business. And I think that's where like. Fox and things. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. You can. Uh, It's funny because Michelle and I were just talking about this yesterday. Yeah. Like Johnny Harris could still be working for Vox if they treated that relationship with a little bit more autonomy. Maybe not, but like all of the good people in Vox eventually leave because it's not their thing. And at this point, I'm just like, real science is Stephanie's channel. Sure. Uh, I just handle the, the business side of things and like she has full, like, Overview of income and expenses, she can decide her own salary from that. Yeah, and what I see, uh, like the the 
callback, I guess, for people who listened to the last one. The the problem that Vox has is that they they bring great people in, those great people do really great things, and then they leave, and then Vox like pretends it never happened. Mm-hmm. They don't maintain the relationship in any way. And I, th- I feel like that's a huge missed opportunity. Because if Vox were to approach themselves as a talent incubator and celebrate the success that the people have when they, they go on, um, there's a lot more gains to be had there. Or, in a more perfect world, uh, give those people more autonomy, more ownership of the things that they create while they're still there. And so you kind of have those two options. You can either be a, a, a great place to work for now, and then people go on to do things separately mm-hmm. away from you, or you can, when when you find talent, give them some ownership, give them some equity, give them some participation, and have it be their thing, and then you you retain that talent. I don't yeah. think there's a wrong answer. There's a better answer, but there's not yeah. a wrong answer there. I feel like that's a big part of what we've done with Nebula, too. Of There's probably been multiple times in the last few years where I've questioned my membership within the standard. Because <laughs> I'm just like, is this, is this, should I be just booking my own sponsorships? Because we, we just do Brilliant and Nebula spots over and over again. I was like, I don't need to give up a commission for that. <laughs> Not how <laughs> that then, works. But then like, <laughs> get the Getty deal more than covers the commission alone. Yeah, and then there's relationship management and yeah. there's the various perks, there's community access, there's... But also the equity. Yeah. And like that is just like making us feel... Like we're not just giving someone a paycheck, and we're not really being valued, mm. is is like a big part of running a big organization like this. And like I would never leave that equity on the table. I remember very early on. I don't think I've ever talked about this. I remember very early on wondering. I was working with you, with Sam, with like a, a Henry from Minute Physics, and a couple other people, and thinking, how do I keep people from leaving? I'm never going to get you guys to sign a crazy lock-in contract. That's not going to happen. How do I get you to stay? How do I build something that you you just mm-hmm. can't walk away from? Not because contractually you can't. Money. <laughs> uh, money, sure, but community. Yeah. Uh, so there was a decision uh, I, I made. Take or leave the community. <laughs> <laughs> there was a decision <laughs> I made very early on, shit. like to create uh, a Slack channel, put everybody in it, which then created a, a dynamic of if I ever gave one of you a deal that the others didn't get. You would find out. You would yeah. talk amongst yourselves. So now there's a dynamic of there's all of the creators and me, and we have to be really open. We have to be transparent. We have to all be in this together. And over time, finding ways to more and more have us all be in it together. That sense of shared experience, shared history, I think is more valuable than any contract. The fact that we built Nebula together, mm-hmm. that's more valuable than any contract I could ever have you sign. Mm-hmm. Like when we go to parties, we all just like enjoy being part of this community so much. We like we're we're genuinely all friends. Mm-hmm. We take vacations together. We don't have to do that. We travel to see each other. Mm-hmm. As Sam said in his thing, like we've been to each other's. We go to each other's weddings. We'll go to each other's funerals. Hopefully not anytime soon, unless he has yeah plans. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, and like me and Sam traveled all the all over the world together long before, and Joseph came too. Mm. <laughs> That's a weird way to say it. <laughs> Just tagged along. <laughs> Joseph was there. Like, yeah, was, like, I'll the go. Three of us. <laughs> the three of us used to travel all over the world together. Like, we went to Guam, Rwanda, South Africa. Like, we're all over the place together. And they went to places without me, like Brazil and things. I've been to Greece with Sam, Paris, London many times, mm-hmm. Iceland. Uh, yeah, like, we're all, there's a long time where, I would see you guys, but never in the same city twice in a row. 
There was mm-hmm. always like a different place. Mm-hmm. And that gave a sense of adventure to all of this. Yeah. And that's, I think connected it more. That's what I miss a little bit as well. So we're all kind of like locked into our individual duties these days that we don't get to adventure as much. Other than Sam, like he's built a career out of it. But even he doesn't get to enjoy his travel. Yeah, he was pretty dead last time I saw him. <laughs> he like I don't think he hates it. I think he he enjoys it, but he doesn't like enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's sec- the jet lag is very much like secondary fun type two fun where it's like it's fun after the fact type two fun <laughs> is that what it's called i have n- i've never is heard that, this it's like type one type two i don't know if i'm misremembering this like type one is like when you're actively enjoying it Maybe in I the moment yeah type yeah, two okay. is like you enjoy it after the fact i think that's it jet lag is very much well, sometimes it's type one sometimes he, it's type two well he enjoys competition so there's a lo- there's a kind of fun yeah, i just don't think it's like relax and enjoy the place fun mm-hmm. i think it's enjoy the event enjoy yeah. the activity fun which yeah that's fine i think if i ever get invited back on that show i'm going to have to actually show how competitive i actually am cuz i've i've dialed up you remember when we went bowling for the first time in amsterdam and i had a <sighs> meltdown cuz i was losing <laughs> that's sam, sam and i were laughing so hard <laughs> Oh, well, well, well. Just watching you get mad about not like you were two points behind in bowling. That's <laughs> like, Sam, why does he Sam care so that, much? Sam is that guy now. He is. Yeah. <laughs> what happened to him? He grew up. I guess bad influence. I blame you. Yeah. Maybe. Do you think that it's like we somewhere those early days? Like the company was small. The channels were much smaller. We were all kind of like at a place in life where we could just sort of fuck around and not have to be one hundred percent on the job. Oh, one hundred percent. And now that's what I mean, like trading COVID the freedom around. Like this is, we're running large businesses now. I employ like fourteen people. Like people depend on me. Like I can't take a week off without preparing for it, and like frequently I'm behind. So it's like this constant feeling of like keeping up. And it's like the same. It's just the creator, that creator economy stuff is like it's go, go, go. There's no stopping. Yeah. It's not like the first VidCon where Sam, Joseph, and I went to like the Studio 71 parody and we just went in and like made friends. And I don't think we brought anyone in because it was like Logan Paul and Quebo mm-hmm. Quap and like other people <laughs> that were at that party. But there were other parties. Do you remember? Do you remember the? PPS one. I was just gonna bring this up. The <laughs> hey, did you guys sneak in or what? Yeah, he came up to like we came into the party and we were kind of unknown at the time and just came up to me and he was like, Did you sneak in here? And I was like, This is the PBS party, dude. <laughs> Calm your britches. This is the thing I find the funniest thing about the, the creator economy. The egos of some people, they let it go to their heads so much as like, I've got two million subscribers. Yet you can walk down the street and not a single person will recognize you. Chill the fuck out. Maybe. So I, I was thinking about this a couple of days ago, actually. And I have maybe a slightly different perspective on that exchange now. Really? Is it possible? Because we, we were standing there, I think we were talking to um, Diana, physics girl, maybe it was mm-hmm. Vanessa, I forget who. Um, and we were standing like, at the edge of the party, and there was like a, a like a row of of plants, like like a hedge wall or something. <laughs> and where we were in relation to that wall, is it possible he was making a joke about our location as if we had just snuck in? Not to say that we didn't belong, but maybe our proximity maybe. to that. It was just being playful. It's possible that he wasn't the asshole that we thought he and was. And considering the conversation we had earlier, where we both kind of tend to jump to, hey, fuck you. Yeah. And because, like, for me, that was immediately. 
Oh yeah, I hated that like, guy for years. <laughs> like, are you the bouncer here? You're yeah, gonna kick yeah, me right? out? Like, oh, I'm sorry. What, cool what you, party. We're not allowed. What are you in. gonna do about it? Yeah, but like now we're the guys who are like kind of scanning to make sure that nobody snuck into our party. Yeah, like there's yeah. there's certainly a um, yeah. like we we run a, a curated community and streaming platform. We are also in in many ways uh, acting as gatekeepers and, yeah. and, and deciding. people have snuck in to our parties. Oh, of course, many times. Of course, of course. Um, so I. It's so funny this comes up. I was thinking about this the other day. Like maybe, maybe we misjudged that guy yeah. in that moment. Maybe we did take things a little too personally. Yeah. So I'm glad that over the course of this episode, we've uh, come to forgive him. Full circle. Let's <laughs> check off shotgun right there. Yeah. We live and learn. Well, so uh, I'll still fight to on, that guy was. on a moment's notice, though. I'm happy. Okay. Like, well, this this is, no, I've never punched anyone in my life. I'm very gentle. This is why you need the dog to calm you down. I'm very gentle. And I think I think we've learned a lot today. We've grown as people. We've accomplished a lot. We've grown emotionally. We've gotten in touch with our feelings. I had a child. <laughs> Shy barely spoke. We didn't let him get a word in edgewise. He doesn't have the history, though. He's such a He's good boy. New. He stayed quiet the whole time. I'll get there. Go on. You can go now. You've served your purpose to make me more likable. Brian, thank you. For everything, You're not just for doing the show, but like with the, this whole this whole journey, uh, this wouldn't have have been possible without you. No, that's been fun. It's like it's very hard to see how my career would have went if I wasn't part of this community. I think whether it just be, be competing with Sam or learning from everyone around us and like your guidance on things and knocking me in the right direction when I need it, I think Nebula has been been a big part of my my career trajectory. Yeah, more than client or business partner or colleague or even friend, I think of you as family. We fight like family. We care like family in all the good ways and in all the bad ways. And uh, that means the world to me. I also argue a lot with my family, so that, ah, that's not true. <laughs> all right, so there's a table here, but uh, if somebody could just like put in a motion graphic of us hugging, just like cardboard cutout. Do we have to hug to do that? No, no, just, they'll, they'll do like an animation. Okay, thing. good, because I don't like being touched. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Bye-bye.